dwelling on the thought of why aspiring to a lofty goal in the message of your artwork can create fear inside of you. Not because of the difficulty of the work, but because of what people will think of it. My name is Gabe Wells, and this is the Saturated Life Podcast. Episode number nine, with the environmental surrealism painter, Amy Guidry. about 10 years ago was when I, I made the active decision to, to pursue my art um, as a career, and um, I just started out locally just um, trying to get my name out and trying to get shows into galleries, and I discovered rather quickly that it was not as easy as I thought it would be, and, uh, you know, I always just assumed that seeing art in, in other galleries that that was something that I could do, and, and therefore I could just waltz on in and make it happen. But um, I, I discovered that, you know, it took a lot of persistence and uh, networking. But anyway, long story short, um, I started showing nationally, um, well, regionally, and, and, and then more nationally, and uh, just consistently getting my name out. Obviously, I have a website um, on social media sites, and so. Uh, I, I really just set about trying to make, um, I, I hate to use the term, but, you know, make my brand more known and uh, carve a niche for myself as a, a contemporary surrealist painter. Did you end up going to college and to get in a, like a fine arts degree or anything? Yeah, um, I, I went to Loyola in New Orleans. My focus was graphic design because at that time I just kind of assumed that that was, you know, how you made a career as an artist. And, you know, I mean, when you're in high school and you're thinking about what you want to do with your life, you know, you're not really thinking long term. And so I think a lot of people make career changes. Um, you know, at least mine is is pretty closely related. But um, at the time, I, I just thought that I was going to have to do more of, you know, commercial art. Well, that's what they were calling it back then. But you know, doing things like logos and website design was not even really, <laughs> that wasn't even part of the curriculum at the time, but that would be something that, you know, if you were to go into that field, you'd be doing. And and really, it's, it's just not for me. Um, I did that freelance, and, you know, it's, it's fun and it's challenging, and that's great for anybody that can do that. But for me to sit in front of a computer all day long, I just can't hack it. I, I went to school for graphic design too, and it's just like uh, it's not. I thought it would transition. Like you, you create paintings or you create illustrations or something like that, and then you could use this for graphic design. But it doesn't really transfer. It's like a whole. It's another way of of thinking. Um, it is, and and obviously when you are you know, working for a, a corporation and you, you're all about, you know, marketing their brand and, and, and products, you know, that, that does affect the work. But one of my design professors, he said, you know, we, we would always have these hurdles with, with our projects. And he said, don't think of it as a brochure or, you know, whatever it happens to be. He said, think of it as you would a painting and how would you approach that? I had the opposite teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... You know, it was it was just kind of one of those aha moments. You know, I, I always kept that in the back of my mind, and it really helped me. And and I created some some pretty, you know, I I thought pretty good stuff. But 
you know, like I said, when, when it comes down to it, sitting in front of a computer, you know, eight hours or more a day, it's too much, you know, physically, um, mentally. And I, I think that really I, I always wanted to paint. I mean, I, I knew that I enjoyed it, you know, ever since I, I could get my hands on, you know, crayons and paint and whatnot. But uh, I, I just decided that it was about time that i just go for it. I can dance around it forever or I could actually, you know, just take it head on and, and try to make something of it. And, um, you know, it, it was it was a scary decision to make, but I felt that it was the right decision. And, you know, I've, I've never looked back. That's fantastic. So what you said, it took a lot of networking to, to help you get established. Like, what was it exactly that, I mean, is there anything you could kind of share to say, this is what worked for me, it might work for you? Right. Um, well, well, first, I, I guess I should say that, you know, there's never one thing that'll do it, because I, I think that a lot of people just assume that if they meet, you know, said gallery owner or they meet a certain collector, that that's just going to, you know, open doors for them. And, and I mean, sometimes you hear about, stories like that where, where it happens, you know, like Jenny Seville, you know, but, but those are few and far between. And, you know, I think it's all a matter of leaving breadcrumbs along the way. And so that's kind of what I, I did, just, um, you know, trying to meet as many people as I could and, and trying to introduce them to my work and, and in an organic way, you know, not, not just all about my agenda, but, you know, developing real relationships with people that, you know, I truly enjoy spending time with. And, uh, you know, going to art events, that really helped, uh, you know, especially when you're trying to establish a local presence. And so uh, if you go to an exhibit and you really like the work, it automatically gives you something to talk about with, you know, the collectors and, and the gallery owners. And it shows that you have a true interest um, and it's not just all about you. And I think that that really goes a long way. Um, and then through some of these people, I was, I was also, you know, alerted of other opportunities and, and I would be introduced to people, so on and so forth. And then, um, you know, really it was a combined effort because aside from the networking, I was, you know, behind the scenes, I'm, you know, constantly trying to update my website, and I'm constantly being critical of it. What do I need to do to make this better, make it easier to navigate, and then, you know, obviously creating the best work I possibly could um, and getting that out there because I think that it's really important that you keep everything updated. I think that especially if someone takes interest in your work, in this day and age, everyone's so used to getting new news. They want to know what's going on. And so you really need to have, uh, you know, new art out there and, and, and things happening. They want to see a lot of activity on your end. And then in addition to that, just contacting the media that, I mean, I think that's a big one right there is, you know, it doesn't matter if, if they don't know who you are, you know, you need to introduce them to your work and, and see if they'd be interested in writing an article for their paper or for their magazine you know, the, the trick is you have to find a good angle that will make them interested, but, um, you know, it can be done. I mean, I, I can't say that I'm a great writer, but I'm at least putting in the effort, and, you know, sometimes it does pay off, and I, I think that's really key for, for getting your name out there. 
Excellent. That's good advice. So it's been 10 years now since, since you just, this is all you've been doing is painting. Right, right. That's fantastic. But you know, it's, it's a short period of time when you think about it. I mean, I, I know artists that, you know, they've been doing this for decades. And, you know, in some ways, I, I feel like, you know, we're, we're doing some of the same things. But, um, you know, it, it, it just depends. I mean, I, I guess it really depends on, on how much you spend you know, in your studio, but then also how much time you spend doing your marketing. So um, I'm constantly trying to push myself. You know, I'm a perfectionist, and so I think that's part of what drives it. I could tell that in the in the uh, the Wild West painting, the canyon in the background. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Man, that, I had to look at it a few times because I was thinking, that's Photoshopped. That's not Photoshopped? That's acrylic? <laughs> wow, well, that's, that's really good. So I can tell that I can see the perfectionist in that because... I mean, yeah. a lot of that really—you got really detailed in the rocks, <laughs> really. Right. And uh, so it's great work. It's great work. How many hours um, a day do you think you paint, and and how much of like the professional aspect of painting, like the business side of it, how much time does that interfere into your actual uh, painting routine? Right. Well, it's funny that you say interfere. Um, I mean, I, I try not to think of it that way, but um, you know, it, it is hard. Um, I mean, I, I used to spend, you know, pretty much my entire day painting. And then as I started to discover more and, and, and learn more about marketing, and, and I, I realized, you know, I wasn't doing nearly enough. And so, I mean, lately, I, I may spend like half my day painting and then half the other half doing my marketing work. And um, it... I mean, it's frustrating. I try not to think about it that way. I, you know, on the one hand, I, I'm not um, putting anything on a canvas at that time. But on the other hand, this is how I'm scheduling shows and having an actual venue to put that work in. Um, otherwise, it's going to sit in my closet. You know, I think that it's a necessary evil. And I know a lot of artists have a hard time with that. They cherish their studio time. And I can understand that, especially if they're working another job. But, um, you know, really you have to do the marketing or at least hire someone, you know, whatever you can do. Do you have an objective with your work? Like, I, w- I would like to know the meaning and, like, what you're really going for. Um, well, really, I mean, in a nutshell, all of the work that I've ever done, I mean, it's all about who we are in the world and, and you know, how we relate to one another and our role in, in the welfare of our world. I'm constantly inspired by social issues and, you know, I, I just look at how we treat one another and how we treat our planet and, you know, the, the other animals and trees and the ocean and whatnot. And, you know, I, I hope to use my artwork as a platform to bring to light issues that, you know, maybe we take for granted and hopefully inspire them um, to, you know, do something, change, you know, their habits and um, think about how they interact with with others and think about what their role could be to to make this world a better place and I mean I I know that sounds pretty lofty and you know it's a lot to ask out of a painting but then again you know the the best thing that I can do is to capture someone's attention and you know I see how people react at my shows and and, you know, some of them, they, they automatically have a bit of background information on me, and so they kind of know what to expect. But 
those that have never seen my work before, I, I feel a great amount of satisfaction when I see them standing in front of a painting and they're looking at it. Like, they're really looking and they're not just, you know, walking by and, and giving it two seconds of a glance and then never thinking of it ever again. I, you know, I can see that they're having this internal dialogue with the piece and maybe it'll change their minds, maybe it'll inspire them. You know, maybe it won't, but I know that I've captured their attention and, and who knows, you know, maybe they'll look me up and they'll ask me about it later. I, I think it's like you say it's kind of a lofty ideal, but you're part of a group, you know, you're just like you, sure. you're one more voice in a growing amount of voices. There's a lot of people really concerned with the way everything's going, like you said, like the, our environment being one of those things. But mm-hmm. artists, art's a great platform it's not, it's just, it's an image. It's like this kind of, uh, I don't know, this organic kind of transferring of information. So, yeah, I think, I don't think it's that lofty. I think everybody should aspire to those type of goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just seems like so much to put on a painting, you know, every time I sit down with one. But, you know, like you said, it's, you know, part of a group, part of that collective. And um, even the, the work itself, you know, even if I was the only artist in the world, at least it's, you know, within a series and, you know, if you follow my work, you know, even from past series, you can see connections between them and, and, and see that, you know, there there is a greater message behind them. It's not just a matter of, you know, pretty paintings or, well, I hope they're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to it than that. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're like, how are like two hours away from New Orleans or about an hour away? It's, it's about two and a half hours. Yeah, west of New Orleans. What's the art scene like there? I've never even... Um, a lot of people say that they kind of do their own thing. And, um, I mean, you, you could really say the same thing about Lafayette as well. Um, you know, the, there, there's a lot uh, of connections between the two cities. Um, and, and Baton Rouge, you know, really those are the three that, that everybody, you know, considers like the, the art meccas in Louisiana. But... And in their larger cities, but you know they they all pretty much do their own thing, which is nice because it's easy to see what other art markets are doing, and you know maybe feel like that's something you need to do, and you jump on the bandwagon. And so I think that you know just geographically speaking, it's you know nice that we're, we have that separation. And also, I think the collectors here are probably a little bit different than you know on the east or west coast. Why would you say they're different? Just in what they like and and what they're exposed to, and so you know, I think that they may have different expectations when they walk into a gallery. They're not necessarily, you know, hoping to see something trendy. I guess you know, the, I I think they're just more impressed with you know having someone who's you know the hometown hero, or you know, even if it's someone from um, out of state, they're very welcoming and um, you know always interested to see what what else people are doing interesting yeah because i've never i never really thought about uh new orleans art scene is it i if i do i think like i think voodoo i've never is that is that the wrong way to think do i think black <laughs> magic is that is that the wrong way to think about yeah, no. skulls <laughs> that kind of thing no. <laughs> no, 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 there's none of that. I mean, but, you know, in the French Quarter, they may have, like, little stores, but, you know, there's, like, these voodoo shops, and they sell little, you know, I, I guess they're really more for tourists. I don't think anybody in the area really, really takes 
there is there voodoo shops in New Orleans? Yeah, and and honestly, I've never even been in one. But oh, you know, really? there's just little goofy little things like you know maybe it's like a taxidermy you know animal or yeah. you know just it's silly things like that. Um, you can tell I'm a big believer, but <laughs> I want to go to. I'm not a believer either, but I would totally have some kind of voodoo thing put on somebody. Just to see what would happen. Maybe on me. I'm, it's like, I'm not a believer in voodoo. But then again, if somebody said, I'm going to have a voodoo curse put on you, I would be kind of scared for a little while. I'd be like, what if it is real? What if I am going to grow a tail? I mean, what if I like... Yeah. No, I'm not going to be too worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what, do you, what are your uh, hobbies when you're not painting? Like, what are you, what are you into? Gosh. Um... <laughs> It's hard to say because uh, I, I feel like this is an all day, everything, everyday kind of thing for me. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really big into working out, which I don't know, some people may find that surprising. But, um, you know, I, <laughs> well, because I, I, you know, I'm not this big, bulky kind of gal, but, you know, I lift heavy weights and, you oh, know, yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I like to do yoga every now and then. Um, you know, go running, that kind of thing. Um, I like reading. Uh, I have to say that a lot of what I read, though, pertains to my career. Really? <laughs> Occasionally <laughs> I throw in something for fun, but um, honestly, I find marketing just so interesting, and, and truthfully, I, I really do find it fun. Really? So, um, wow. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, uh, it, it really does satisfy that creative urge that, that artists have because, you know, you're constantly trying to think of new ways to get your work out there. And um, the, the more creative you can be with that, the, probably the more success that you'll have in getting your name out and, and getting noticed, especially with, with social media and, and um, you know, the way technology is nowadays. If, if you can keep up with that and come up with, with new ways of getting your information out there, I think it can be really fun and, and satisfy that, that part that we have. Do you have a book recommendation? So you read about marketing artwork or just marketing anything and you apply that to your artwork? Well, I used to read books about specifically, specifically marketing artwork, but um, maybe I'm reading the wrong ones, but I found that a lot of them were just saying like the same things over and over, and yeah. I just thought, okay, yeah, uh, have a resume, yeah. make a portfolio, <laughs> submit it to a gallery. Yeah, got it, you know? Yeah, I've experienced but, the same thing, so I was hoping you had a good recommendation. <laughs> but I guess well, not. there is one, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember exactly what it's called. I, I think it's how to how to sell art without selling your soul, something like that. Um, the, the author's name is Carolyn, and I don't remember her last name. Um, which is terrible. I'm really, really bad about that. Um, that one I, I would refer back to every now and then just because um, she goes over in, in pretty good detail, uh, you know, the, the usual about having resumes and, and, you know, submitting to galleries. But, you know, also she talks about uh, writing a press release. And um, she has good hints in there. If, if you are just starting out and you really don't have anything to put on a resume, she gives you ideas on how to, you know, be fat up without lying or embellishing. Um, okay. All right. So how so, to not sell your soul as an artist? Is that what it's called? Is that what you said? 
I have it. So. How yeah. Does, how to sell art without selling your soul? Yeah. If you Google something like that, it'll That's probably something like will come it, up. It, it's it's something something along those lines. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, you know, I, I just started reading just your standard um, books on marketing and and, and selling. Um, there's one guy called uh, Todd Duncan. Um, I've read a few of his books. And I, I don't remember the titles offhand, but, but, you know, he goes through the process of selling, which, you know, if, if you're an artist, I, I think it's great that, you know, you rely on your galleries to sell work, but I think it's also important that you learn how to sell your work as well and, uh, you know, how to go through those steps and, and handle it professionally because, you know, not everyone is, is going to live where your gallery is and, you know, especially if you have a website um, you know, they they discover you online. They they didn't even know you otherwise. They just learned about you on, online, and you know they see something they want to buy it. You need to know how to handle that. Um, and then uh, let's see, I guess one one of the more recent ones, um, Harvey McKay. He's another one that uh, does these books on you know just the ABCs of marketing. Um, and a lot of it is, is just good inspirational type of information, but sometimes you, you kind of need that reminder that, you know, you're not going to hit a home run every time. You know, there's going to be plenty of no's. And I, I don't know of anyone successful that hasn't been rejected over and over again. You know, it's just a matter of what they do with that rejection. Um, yeah. You know, if, if they find a way to turn it into a positive or if they just, you know, forget it and move on and, you know, or, or maybe they need to improve what they're doing. You know, maybe their current uh, methods are, are not up to snuff, you know. Um, but point being, they, they learn from it and they move on. They don't just give up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I know. That's, that's pretty much one of the most important parts. Cause it's defeating. Right. There's so many, right. there's so many times where it's, it's like you, so yeah, I just I just give up. This is not this is not right. working out. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Thanks again for taking the call, and uh, it's been fun yeah, talking to you. Okay. You too.